Ministry of the Spirit. In Luke 24, <clears throat> verse 49, it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. It's like he's saying, don't try to take the gospel to the world until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure how well we've done at that. We've been in such a hurry to take the gospel to the world that many have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to make it work right and successfully. But this promise is for all of us, clear to the end of time, that the Holy Spirit is what makes us effective in reaching the world. In anything, really, of a spiritual nature that we do, it's the Holy Spirit that makes it a success. And if we don't have that baptism, we don't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit on that particular occasion, then we're wasting our time. It also shows up in his parting promise in Acts 1, verse 8. He said, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In other words, you're not going to have the power until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Here we see in two ways he is telling them, don't try to take the gospel even to Jerusalem until you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. But once you've had that, you will take it to Jerusalem, then you will take it to Samaria, Judea, and then Samaria. And if you study the book of Acts, that's exactly what they did. And then finally to the uttermost part of the earth. And in Acts of the Apostles, I didn't put this in, but it says that in approximately 30 years, they had taken the gospel to the entire world. Now, I realize the world was smaller back then, but, you know, you've, you've seen how if you take a penny and double it every day, it gets to where it's multiplying really fast. And that's the principle that can take the gospel to the world. So we have been at it for 170 some years and it's still not done. Maybe we need the Holy Spirit. Maybe we've been trying, too many of us, and I wouldn't say everybody, but too many of us have been trying to take the gospel without the power that's going to do the job. And Therefore, we need to pay attention to these texts. Now, to emphasize that, in Desire of Ages, page 671 and 2, we read this. The preaching of the word will be of no avail 
without the continual presence and aid of the Holy Spirit. So if we hold evangelistic meetings and we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it says it will be of no avail. Now that doesn't mean people won't join the church. But we win people, generally speaking, God can make exceptions, but we win people that will be like us when they come in. So if we're not baptized with the Spirit, chances are they won't be either. And so that fills up the church with people that are not baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we think we're advancing, we think we're making progress, but actually they're the ones that tie up the pastors and other people with church troubles and problems that they have to spend their time. Instead of in evangelism, they have to spend it in trying to solve all these problems. And I praise God this church isn't like that. I haven't had to solve problems here. But the preaching of the word is of no avail without the continual presence and aid of the Holy Spirit. And just because we had it the last time we preached doesn't mean we have it this time. So we have to keep receiving this wonderful gift. It says this is the only effectual teacher of divine truth. We might think we're capable, but we're not. It's just not possible. Human beings have to rely <clears throat> upon the only effectual teacher of divine truth, which is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is able to work in the audience and touch the lives of people, then something will happen. Something worthwhile will take place. Only when the truth is accompanied to the heart by the Spirit will it quicken the conscience or transform the life. Now we can make people feel guilty by really, you know, nailing down what they're doing wrong, but that doesn't solve the problem. They'll forget that probably, or maybe even get upset. And so what is needed is for the Holy Spirit to be active and quicken the conscience so the person sees, yes, that's true, I'm guilty of that, and give them the power to change. You know, there's nothing worse than to know you ought to change, but you can't change. It's very frustrating. And so it's the Holy Spirit that does both of those things quickens the conscience, and then transforms the life. Whenever the Holy Spirit reveals something that needs correction, we can count on it that the very next thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is give us the victory. Because it doesn't point out things to discourage, but it points them out so that we'll ask and receive the victory. One might be able to present the letter of the Word of God. So they know their Bible. They can put text and text together, and they can prove the truth. One might be able to present the letter of the Word of God. He might be familiar with all its commands 
and promises. But unless the Holy Spirit sets home the truth, no souls will fall on the rock and be broken. How many? None. They'll listen and maybe get an education in the Bible, but no soul will fall on the rock and be broken. And that's the whole purpose of having meetings, if that's what we need, to fall upon the rock and be broken. It's either that or the rock will fall on us and grind us to powder. And unfortunately, that's what's going to happen to many because they wouldn't fall on the rock and be broken. No amount of education. Wow, have we ever depended on education. But it doesn't matter whether a person has had all the way through the university. If they don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they will not accomplish what needs to be done. So no amount of education. No advantages. Now, there's various advantages. Uh, I've noticed if people have money, more people listen to them. But when it comes to the work that God has given us, to have money doesn't, doesn't really bring the advantage that we need. Or maybe God has blessed them with the skill of, uh, what do I want to say, oratory or uh, being able to just charm people with their, the way they put together ideas. But those advantages are nothing by comparison to the presence of the Holy Spirit. God can do more with somebody that doesn't have any of those things, but has the Holy Spirit, than what he can do with those that have all those advantages. Now, if they have all those advantages plus the Holy Spirit, of course, they become an extremely powerful instrument in his hands. So no amount of education, no advantages, however great, can make one a channel of light without the cooperation of the Spirit of God. Now, unfortunately, the more uh, education or the more advantages or whatever we have, it seems like that we have a tendency to get proud. We have a tendency to be lifted up and people are saying things which cause that to happen as well. And so this is why this is so important for us to realize. Whatever function we have, Sabbath school superintendent, Sabbath school teacher, preaching, giving a Bible study, just even talking to someone about Jesus. We have to keep this in mind. I cannot be a channel of light if I don't have the Holy Spirit working through me. The sowing of the gospel seed will not be a success unless the seed is quickened into life by the dew of heaven. Bible talks about seeds rotting under the clods because there's no rain. And that's happened. that happens in places and it's going to happen 
toward the end. Well, same thing is true in spiritual lines. We can plant a seed, but it's not going to spring up unless the Holy Spirit waters that seed in that person's heart. Before one book of the New Testament was written, before one gospel sermon had been preached, after Christ's ascension, the Holy Spirit came upon the praying apostles. So it's two steps. Receiving the experience of Pentecost and then taking the gospel to the world. And even before one book of the New Testament was written, he didn't even let them write any books of the New Testament until they had received this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then, what was the result? Then the testimony of their enemies was, Ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Acts 5.28 wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony to be made of us in so many big cities? That's why Elder Wilson is call, has been calling upon people to work the cities because in most of the large cities, the people say, who are Seventh-day Adventists? Who are they? But if we really would seek after as a whole church, now I believe we can have it even if Nobody else seeks for it. But what a blessing it would be if the whole church would seek for it. And then this would be the testimony about Seventh-day Adventists. These Seventh-day Adventists are filling the whole city with their doctrine and with their teaching. Desire of Ages 672. Just in case we miss the point that the reason that story is in the Bible is so that we will recognize that we need the same thing. Here's what it says. Christ has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church. And the promise belongs to us as much as to the first disciples. Now I have to confess until I started studying this subject I didn't think it was just as much for me as it was for them. I looked at it as a wonderful story. and I sometimes would think, wow, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have experienced that. But then, as I began to read more about the Holy Spirit, I came across quotations like this, that it is just this promise belongs just as much to us as to the first disciples. In one way of looking at it, it's more for us because there's 2,000 more years of Satan being able to work and to hedge up the way. Now, you know, we know it was really bad in Christ's day. Uh, the Tsar of Ages even says that you could see demons on the faces of people. But, you know, we have instruments today like the uh, internet and cell phones and so on that are 
corrupting people that they didn't have that back then. Uh, it was, I can see that these things are extremely corrupting if they're used wrong. So the promise belongs to us as much as to the first disciples. But like every other promise, it is given on conditions. So he holds out the promise, but then he explains the conditions. And if we don't meet the conditions, we can't get the promise. There are many who believe and profess to claim the Lord's promise. They talk about Christ and about the Holy Spirit, yet receive no benefit. That sounds like a waste, doesn't it? That here we are talking about Jesus, but it doesn't do us any good. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't do us any good. He wants us to be changed by thinking and talking and reading about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit. Now here's the reason, the big reason. They do not surrender the soul to be guided and controlled by the divine agencies. We have a built-in desire to control what happens in our life. But if we're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have to surrender that control. We have to be willing to be guided. Even if he sent us to the place where we don't want to be. Sometimes we say, Lord, I'm willing to do anything but this. I'm willing to go anywhere but there. Have you noticed that somewhere along the way he sends you there? We have to be willing to be guided and then controlled by the divine agencies. That's one of the conditions. Why? Because we cannot use the Holy Spirit. You know, I might say, well, you know, I'd like to be a, a more successful preacher. And so here's a wonderful gift. Maybe I can use this gift to become more successful. And he says, no, I'm sorry. It might not be that you're supposed to be successful in the line that you want. But I will use you if you are willing to let the Spirit use you. We cannot use the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is to use us. So we have to surrender and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, it's okay. Use me in the way that you see best, and I'll choose to be happy with that because I want the Spirit to direct. Through the Spirit of God, through the Spirit, yeah, through the Spirit, God works in his people. And then it quotes a verse from Philippians 2.13. To will and to do of his good pleasure. Now that's interesting that this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. To will 
Now we have to choose to let him take our will, and we can resist that. But if we will let him take our will, then the Holy Spirit will cause our will to go in the right direction. And not only that, but cause us to do what's right as well. That's the, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But many will not submit to this. And it gives the reason why they don't want to submit to that. They want to manage themselves. There are certain things they don't want to change. Certain things that they like to do, maybe, or don't like to do that they should do. And so they, the Holy Spirit comes to the point where he says, this is what you need to give up. And they say, well, I'd rather manage myself and decide what I give up. Then we can't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples had that problem pretty seriously as well before the day of Pentecost came. But as God worked to prepare them, they finally got to the place where they said, okay, Lord, we have no will of our own. We're going to do whatever you tell us to do. And we're willing for you to guide us and everything. You can manage us. And once they got to the place where they were willing for the Holy Spirit to manage them, that's when they really accomplished something amazing. This is why they do not receive the heavenly gift. Only to those who wait humbly upon God, who watch for his guidance and grace. So uh, they watch. Lord, which way are you wanting me to go? What do you want me to do? Not only his guidance, but his grace. They watch for those two things, especially. Is the Spirit given? The power of God awaits their demand and reception. So God is ready to give it, but he has to wait until they meet the conditions. And then he can pour it out upon them. Now, this is a thought that's repeated in many places. It says, this promised blessing claimed by faith brings all other blessings in its train. The way that I began to think about this is, let's suppose that I can only pray about one thing. I should pray about the Holy Spirit because all other blessings come in answer to the visit of the Holy Spirit. And also it led me to think the first thing on our prayer list should be the Holy Spirit. Because we can't pray about everything we need. We can't pray about everything that, you know, when, even on prayer meeting night when we make our list, we can't pray about everything unless we do it in general. But if we pray for the Holy Spirit, then all those things will be taken care of. This promised blessing claimed by faith brings all other blessings in its train. 
it is given according to the riches of the grace of Christ. So showers of blessing. And he is ready to supply how many of us? Every soul according to the capacity to receive. Now, not all of us have the same capacity. So that's why we shouldn't compare, you know, ourselves among ourselves. But according to the capacity we have, we will receive the Holy Spirit if we meet those conditions. Now, let's review in point form what those conditions were, at least the ones I noticed. Number one, we must surrender control to the Holy Spirit. That often takes a battle. And just because we did it one time, when some other issue comes up, we may have to fight that battle again. We may have to answer the question, are we willing to let the Holy Spirit manage me in this circumstance? But if we always say that, that the Holy Spirit can manage us in that situation, then we will receive the control of the Holy Spirit. Also, number two, we must watch for his guidance and grace. As I listen to some people, like uh, often comes up in marriage, and the person is already in love with the other person, at least they feel they are, and so they're going to, their attitude is, well, God, if you don't want me to marry them, stop me. You know, do something that blocks my way. But that's not the way God works. He says, you need to ask me. You need to let me control. And if you let me control you, I'll tell you if you should marry them or not. And if you're not supposed to, I expect you to listen. And so that's just one area, but, you know, there's other areas where he wants us to watch for his guidance and watch for his grace because we easily get discouraged and, and feel our case is hopeless, but we need to watch for the grace, notice it, and praise God for it. Number three, we must claim the Spirit by faith. A lot of times we don't get the Spirit. We met those earlier conditions, but we, but we still didn't get it because we didn't believe we could get it. So we must claim the Spirit by faith. We can tell Him if there's any condition I haven't met, please show it to me, but I'm coming to claim an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Number four, <clears throat> we must be willing to receive the Spirit. I have talked on this subject in a lot of different places, but I have noticed that sometimes people are scared of this subject. They're afraid of what the Holy Spirit might tell them to do. And so they're not willing to receive the Holy Spirit. But that's one of the conditions. We have to be willing. <clears throat> and the fifth and last one 
is there is the condition of our capacity. We don't all have the same work. We don't all have the same uh, ability to do the work. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that. We're all very different. But according to our capacity, if we're not jealous of somebody else or, you know, wanting what they got, uh, he will, according to our capacity, he will pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. And we will see evidence in our life that the Holy Spirit is working there. We close with this quotation in Desire of Ages 679. To me, this is one of the most encouraging references that you can read. Christ rejoiced that he could do more for his followers than they could ask or think. So he was excited about what could happen to us more than what we could ask or think. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit. He knew that truth armed with the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit, would conquer in the contest with evil. There's something in us that likes to be on the winning side. If we're on the side of Jesus, we're on the winning side. It doesn't matter what seems to go wrong, we are still on the winning side. He knew that the truth armed with the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit, would conquer in the contest with evil, and that the bloodstained banner would wave triumphantly over his followers. <clears throat> he knew. Now this is the really good part. He knew that the life of his trusting disciples would be like his. A series of of uninterrupted victories, not seen to be such here, but recognized as such in the great hereafter. Have you ever seen one of these tapestries that someone weaves, either that you hang on the wall or a rug? You look at that beautiful picture, that's why you want it to hang on your wall or to put on your floor. But if you turn it over and you look at the bottom side, it looks horrible. Well, that's us. We see the bottom side most of the time. And it looks horrible. And we had disappointments. We thought that so much would happen and it didn't happen. In fact, we're told that Jesus was confronted constantly with apparent failure. How would you like that? That everything you do apparently fails. I believe the more the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us, the more of that experience we will get. So we really have to know this quote and believe that the life of his trusting disciples would be like his, a series of uninterrupted victories, not seen to be such here, but recognized as such, in the great hereafter. And that's true in the character development. It's true in taking the gospel. That we will have to cling to that promise, but the Holy Spirit cannot lose. It may accomplish something different than we expected 
we're at a different time than we expected it but the Holy Spirit will gain the victory and in the future when we look back on our life on earth we will see that it was a series of uninterrupted victories what a high privilege we have by receiving this gift 